Good morning to each one and greetings in Jesus' name. <clears throat> we look out from this pavilion and you see green grass and you see the trees. And I want you to think with me, if you will, just a bit, what it would have been like to be placed in that garden. What would it have been like to have been placed in that garden where everything was green and lush and the fruits of the trees were for our partaking and the animals and everything in it were docile and friendly. And I'm just thinking, what would it be like if you would have been the one to create that beautiful environment? And then somebody came in and just stomped it down and, and cut down the trees and, and slew the animals and, and did everything to destroy what you had created, what you had done. We went up and looked at uh, Robert and Lori's produce patch. It was, wow, pretty good. And I just cannot imagine how they would feel if their whole herd of cattle got out in that produce patch and just totally and utterly destroyed it. It would be very disheartening. It would just, it would just be like, Wow. The last time I shared, I shared a message of hope, a message of eternal life, a message about looking forward to heaven. And this morning's message is not meant to cause you to fear, and yet it is reality. It is the truth of God's Word. It is a message that's not very popular, and it's really not very enjoyable to speak about, but sometimes we must speak the unpopular. We must speak words that are not always pleasant, but words that are true and a warning. And ju just as we can look out from this pavilion and see the trees and we can see the leaves blowing, just as real as we can, you can hear my voice, and just as real as I can see your being, sin, death, and hell are a reality that we all must and will face unless Jesus comes again. And sometimes facing those things, I believe, can be terrifying, and I experienced that as a young person apart from Christ. <clears throat> We look at God, and we know that we serve a loving God, but we also look at God and know that, that He is just and righteous and holy. And being those three small attributes or huge attributes, however you want to look at them, because God is so much more than that, 
he cannot tolerate sin. And when sin entered into that garden, and when, when all of his creation was just utterly ransacked because of Adam's choice, Eve's choice, his creation, that superior, wonderful environment was destroyed. And where did it all begin? Where did this sin, where did this suffering all begin? Well, it says, speaking of God, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. God knew from the very get-go of what things would come into effect, and yet he fulfilled his plan. I want you to turn with me, if you will, to Psalm 104. In God's master plan, in the beginning, this Psalm 104 talks about his creation. And it talks about some of the beings that he created and what they were created for. In Psalm 104, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, O Lord my God, thou art very great, and thou art clothed with honor and majesty, who covers thyself with light as with a garment who stretches out the heavens like a curtain, who layeth the beams of his chambers in the waters, who maketh the clouds his chariot, who walketh upon the wings of the wind, who maketh his angels spirits, his ministers a flaming fire, who laid the foundations of the earth, that it should not be removed forever. And I want you to think about that. We're going to stop reading there. But in all of these things, in this environment, God covered thyself in life as with a garment. He stretched out the heavens like a curtain. He laid the beams of the chambers in the waters, and he made the clouds in his chariot who walketh upon the wings of the wind. He made those angels as spirits, as ministers. And these angels were created to minister. There are several verses in the New Testament and in Psalms that talk about these angels. In Hebrews 1.14, it says, Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? Psalm 91.11, For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. Psalm 103.20, Bless the Lord, ye angels, that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word, Bless ye the Lord, all ye hosts, ye ministers of his that do his pleasure. These ministering spirits that God created in his master plan, he created all of nature for his glory. He created all of those ministering spirits for his glory to declare his greatness. But one of his created, and we know, all know that story, one of his created wanted to be like God. And that one that wanted to be like God was cast down. In Isaiah 14. It says in verse 12, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, and God in his all-knowing 
God knew that he had said this in his heart. For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend unto heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, and I will be like the Most High. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. Because of this desire of Lucifer, because of this secret hankering in his heart to be like the Most High God, Most High God, to ascend to those heights, to dwell in those upper places that belong to God alone. Because of this desire, this pride, Lucifer was cast down. And we see God's all omniscience, but we also see God's all power in casting this created, this ministering spirit out of God's kingdom, out of his heaven. God's created being. These angels designed to minister wanted to this, I'm sorry, this created being, this angel designed to minister wanted to be, to be ministered to. He wanted to be worshipped. He wanted to be like the Most High. Now think of that garden again. Think of those beautiful trees and grass and all those fruits that we could partake of. Think of that created and then think of that destruction. Think of that betrayal. Lucifer said, I will, I will, I will, I will. But God, being the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the all-powerful, the creator, the Most High said that he would be cast down. And how often... And I want to say this for myself. How often are we somewhat similar in our thinking? I will, I will, I will. By my own strength, I can do this, I can do that. Look at what I have done, and look what I will do. How often are we very similar in our thinking? Are we, and I say this to myself, filled with the same destructive bit of pride that will ultimately be destroyed by sin, death, and the grave. Proverbs sixteen eighteen. We all know that uh, that verse so very well. Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. And these words that we read today is speaking to everyone, every man, every woman. It's God's word. It's true. It's faithful. And so for each one of us today, tomorrow and in the days to come, we need to take heed to the warnings of the word of God. Do we think that we can thumb our nose at God? Do we think that by reading and studying and gaining in knowledge that we can know more than our Creator and Lord? Do we think that we can make it ourselves? There's not a chance. And I appreciated what Brother Darrell shared this morning in the devotional. It's by grace that we are saved. It's not what we do. But it is what God has done for us. 
if we look back then at that garden experience in Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 and 17, it says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree, of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. And we know the familiar story of this creation. We know the familiar story of Eve partaking of that fruit and then giving to Adam. And Adam and Eve apparently thought that they could do it a different way. They thought that they could do it their own way and chose to disobey God. And through that choice, through that disobedience, not only did it affect them personally, it brought on great sorrow and pain. It brought on sin and suffering for all of mankind. It brought on death and separation from God. It brought on a need for redemption. It brought on a need for a sacrifice. It brought on a need to be restored to a right relationship. And I know that we've often heard the phrase <clears throat> that it's my way or the highway. And we refer to some people sometimes that they're very strong in, in how they believe and what they feel. And it's their way or the highway. But really God is the only one that can actually make that happen. Because as we look at the omnipotence of God, as we look at God in his person, when Satan sinned one of his creation, he was cast down. When Adam and Eve sinned, they were cast out. And when you and I, because of this natural birth, the sin that is inherent, when we sin, we are separated from a God, and that sin brings judgment. It brings fear. I want you to turn with me, if you will, to Hebrews chapter 10. We know of some people that have made commitments and have gone back on those commitments, but we know that there is a way back. But we also know that continuing in sin will not bring peace, will not bring a restored relationship. And if you look with me, if you will, at Hebrews 10, verse 26, it says, for if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin, but a certain fearful looking for judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. Is this scary to you? If we are living in sin willfully, it should be scary to you. But if we if we are at peace with God, this is just a warning that we maintain living in obedience to God, to his word. Verse 28, as we continue on, He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye 
shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God, and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing, and hath done despite to the Spirit of grace. For we know him that hath said, and this is God, Vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. Verse 31, again, I want to reiterate. It is a fearful thing to fall in the hands of a living God apart from Christ. This is talking about willful, purposeful living and choosing to sin. And I'm not talking about sometimes where we slip up, sometimes where we fail, because that is part of life, part of the Christian life. And when it happens, when we do slip up, when we do fail, we strive to make things right by confessing our fault or confessing our sin, acknowledging. It says in 1 John 1, 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Are you perfect? Are you without any sin, any bad thoughts, any bad attitudes? Are you without any covetousness or greed or anything else? Are you without anything that wars against our soul? I think as we, as long as we are in this physical body of clay, we are going to strive against the temptations, the things that come our way. We are going to strive against principalities and powers because Satan wants you. He wants me. And so when we do struggle, when we do fail, it says in verse 9, if we confess our sins, it is a very simple procedure, people. If we confess our sins, He, meaning God, is faithful and just to forgive our sins, us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. James 5.16, talking about the healing. It says, Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Again, I go back to a story in our home. We taught our children when they did something wrong, they needed to fess up. If they did something against their brother or sister, they needed to make it right. They needed to say, I'm sorry. But they needed to mean it when they said it. And that goes for me as well. And sometimes that takes a little bit of time. For me it does. And sometimes it comes right away. But when we come face to face with the Holy God and we recognize that we have sinned, not, not necessarily against our brother or sister, but against God, when we confess our sin, we need to mean it when we say it. When Jesus was sending out his disciples in twos, he told them that the disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above the Lord. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to destroy, but not able to kill the soul. But what did he say, fear? 
he said, fear, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. And that means that as these disciples went out, don't fear the physical consequences of preaching the gospel, but fear the, the, the spiritual consequences of moving away from God, away from his word. But rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. We have, each one of us, an awesome opportunity to be part of God's family. We have heard the word preached many times over and over, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it's powerful today, as powerful today as it was when Jesus walked this earth. It is as powerful today as those early Christians that suffered and died at the hands of the persecutors. And it is as powerful today as it, it will always be until Jesus comes. But we need to acknowledge our need. We need to confess our sins. We need to accept Christ as Lord. And then we need to continue living in obedience to God and His Word. And in that, there is no fear. There is no fear of sin. There is no fear of death. There is no fear of hell and the grave. Because in Christ, there is peace, there is joy, and there is no fear. What we need to fear is a holy God that will not tolerate sin. A holy God that will ultimately cast us away living in sin. But we need to have a proper fear of God, of a loving God who sent his only begotten Son, Turn with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 21. This goes back to that story of the garden, the beautiful garden. Matthew 21, starting at verse 33. Jesus speaking another parable. He said, And there was a certain household, householder which planted a vineyard and hedged it round about, and digged a winepress in it, and built a tower, and lent it out, let it out to husbandmen, and went into a far country. And when the time of the fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the husbandmen, that they might receive the fruits of it. And the husbandmen took his servants, and beat one, and killed another, and stoned another. And again he sent other servants, more than the first, and they did unto them likewise. But last of all he sent unto them his son, saying, They will reverence my son. But when the husbandmen saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and let us seize on his inheritance. And they caught him and cast him out of the vineyard and slew him. If that were your garden, if that were your vineyard, if that were your creation, how would you deal with these men that totally and utterly destroyed, not necessarily your garden, but the servants that he sent and your son whom you sent? I think many of us would find it 
find it extremely hard to forgive and to forget and just to let it go. What did Jesus say when they mocked him and spit him and or spit on him and beat him and crucified him? What did Jesus say when he was hanging on that cross and it, his time was fulfilled? He said, Father, forgive them. And with that forgiveness and with that sacrifice, with that offering of himself, Jesus made all things new and made it possible that each one of us could be back in that right relationship. He restored that garden that each of us can look and see a beautiful garden with fruit that is good to partake of through God's word. Through peace, through forgiveness. Psalm 103. I'd like you to turn with me there. I believe in God's all knowing. He knows, he knows the beginning from the end. And it says here in Psalm 103, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. How many benefits do you have being a child of God and being a part of a congregation of believers that love one another and encourage one another and want what is best for each one around you? Personally, forget not all his benefits. Who forgiveth all thy iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us, and I want us to think about this. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities, because he had mercy. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are as grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passeth over, and it is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him, and his righteousness unto the children's children, to such, pay attention, to such as keep his covenant, and to those that remember his commandments to do them, 
The Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom ruleth over all. Bless the Lord, ye angels that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. Bless ye the Lord, all ye his hosts, ye ministers of his that do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. We can reread that and reread that and reread that psalm. And it tells of the blessings of God, and they are directed our way. And so we know, without a doubt, that sin is present. We know without a doubt that death is among us. We know without a doubt that hell and the grave are facts. They're not pleasant facts, pleasant topics. Not something that we talk about on a daily basis. But I thank God for the warnings. And I thank God for the opportunities. And I thank God for Christ Jesus who gave his life that we might live. Hebrews 9, verse 27. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. We are here for a season, but we will stand before a holy God, as it is appointed that you will stand before God and be judged. Romans 14, verse 11 says, For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then let every one of us give account of himself to God. It is true. It is a fact. And Second Peter 1, verse 10 says, Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence. Work for it. Give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. So my encouragement to each one of you this morning, may we seek Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who will deliver us from the terrifying things of sin, death, hell, and the grave for his glory, for our good. God bless you.